You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. How's everybody doing? Hey, hey. And Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? Well, today we talk Coke racing from Watkins Glen with Evan Pasoko. Dale Earnhardt Jr. gives an interview about iRacing. And we preview a big 55-inch curved gaming monitor for your racing pleasure. Take a load off and join us in the lounge. Also, remember that you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products that we discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. We hope to see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals and they look absolutely amazing check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car drive harder and stay on the limit longer first time winner Ashton Crowder final time at turn four to his first win in the Enas car peaking and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo gonna look to the bottom it is not gonna be enough and Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back he steals the win at Thunder Valley welcome the voice of iRacing Evan Pasoko all right Evan Pasoko welcome back Thanks for having me. Uh, quite uh, an exciting um, and I will say consequential race in terms of our, uh, you know, our playoff picture uh, from this week at Watkins Glen. Yeah, Watkins Glen uh, pre-race. We saw that uh, Jimmy Mullis uh, was on a different setup than usual. He had AC issues at his house. Uh, so he looks like he uh, went to a friend's uh, using a G923 uh, wheel uh, for this race. Uh, instead, he ended up having a good ra- uh, race anyway, regardless of the equipment issue. Yeah, he had a good showing, and uh, the G923 uh, is a, a pretty proven wheel uh, in its own right. It's the same wheel that Nick Ottinger used uh, when he won his championship back in 2020. So, uh, you know, that not that much of a disadvantage for him in terms of what the hardware can do. I think certainly the adjustment is, of course, you're just used to the feel of your setup. That includes, uh, you know, your monitors, your graphic settings, and, of course, your hardware as well. So despite those challenges, uh, as we'll talk about, he went on to pretty have a, to have, I should say, a pretty good night yeah and uh the rest of the pre-race show is great as usual uh a new segment or a segment i really liked i thought was funny was really dude is what they called it uh basically uh teammates hitting each other you know uh, malik ray was you know caught speeding on pit road oh you know bob bryant driving it straight into the wall on his big return and other dumb moves were kind of called out in the Hey, really, dude segment. It was funny. 
Yeah, I think uh, we when we did it before, I think it was uh, come on, man. And now it's hey, dude. And I, I think it's a good light, uh, lighthearted way to poke fun at some people. We saw some uh, some of the bigger blunders um, from two weeks prior in the all star race on the streets of Chicago, which had a couple of big mistakes. And uh, I, I'm sure there was plenty of content out of this Watkins Glen race uh, for that segment if we do it again in two weeks. All right, let's jump to it. Green flag. It was Bobby Zelensky on pole, uh, uh, Graham Bolin. They lead the field into turn one. And it didn't take long before Logan Clampa and Ray Alfala spin on lap one. Uh, boy, what a break for Ray. I mean, he was desperate to have a good run this, this time. Uh, and then lap three, it was a battle for the lead. Uh, Bishop DeYoung and Bobby Zelensky fighting for the lead. Yeah, very quickly, um, you know, Bobby obviously starting on pole position in this one. Um, we talked about uh, how he's had, uh, I think I mentioned it was 10 race wins in the Coke series. Of course, many of those on road courses, but yet to get one at the Glen um, and look strong early. Uh, but, you know, after that chaos on lap one, that again, for the seems like the upteenth time in a row, um, Alfala gets caught up in a wreck. That's not really his fault. He gets tagged, ends up in the uh, barriers. Um, you know, obviously we spent a lot of time talking about how big uh, he would play an impact on the points and you saw it right away because as soon as Ray was involved in that accident and fell back into the 30s he fell out of the playoff grid on the live points and your race leader Bobby Zelensky obviously leading the race jumped in so uh, that was a developing situation but Mitchell got on him quick uh, and Mitchell didn't really waste time by lap two and three he was already taking looks to the inside they were trading a couple of I will say door bangs not necessarily door slams but uh, Mitchell was putting the pressure on quick he didn't really want to let bobby settle into a rhythm i think it was trying to force a mistake kind of thing uh yeah he was pushing it uh by lap three uh, you know we were still processing what happened with ray and the the implications for his championship but next thing you know he's on top of the barrels i mean like like can't roll out i mean he's on top of them and these weren't the barrels at pit road these are the barrels down where the boot uh turns off well what happened is novak uh and him uh well novak first spins off the bus uh, the bus stop so he's rejoining the track as tr you know cars are coming by and uh, and he does safely and he ends up side by side with ray as they're going through that carousel and they just barely touch and, and it sends ray off hard hard into those barrels yeah and, and ray will tell you listen i'm not back there in that situation if it doesn't uh you know relate to that incident that he had on lap one right but that's a situation where zach makes a mistake um he loses several positions and he didn't want to lose one more but he probably should have just let ray go right i mean he's not coming into the corner of the preferred line um you know he, he's kind of trying to you know block ray out and get that spot before they head down to the second half of the track and um you know it's it's certainly aggressive stuff for lap three, um, it was certainly avoidable and unfortunate contact between two drivers who had a lot on the line. And as you mentioned, uh, unfortunately for Ray, he for again, the upteen time in a row ends up at the back end. And yeah, the first shot we had of it was he was just on top of the barrels um, and we would on to see why. And uh, Ray would eventually uh, limp around to a 36th place finish didn't matter he would only score one point on the night and uh, i think the the heartbreak of uh the, you know two nights ago for uh, for ray is uh, very indicative of kind of how i think he'll sum up the year 
Yep. Uh, next part of the race, we're kind of watching the comers and goers. Uh, lap six, it, Jimmy Mullis was the biggest mover so far. He was up 15 spots from 38th to 23rd. By lap 12, he entered the top 20. Uh, and then it was trouble for Briar LaPrade. He clipped the wall on the right, entering the bus stop, and has a right front down. Uh, he had to pit for up to eight minutes for repairs. That's tough. Um, you know, that's a, that's a long time. And we talk about, you know, strategy tends to be a pretty big element um, in these races because there's no cautions. Um, so unfortunately for Briar, I mean, you know, he's sitting down on pit road. You're done at that point. You're just uh, going to be fighting for scraps similar to Ray. And, uh, you know, Briar would end up getting one more point than Ray. He'd finish this race 35th eventually um, scoring two points uh, to raise one. But you, you just can't get away with him. I mean, you know, back in back in the day when, you know, these road courses were uh, one a year on the calendar. Uh, you know, and, and people really didn't have to focus on them quite as much as you do now. You knew who was going to be the top three. We still kind of know who's going to be strong, but the rest of the field was way further off than they are now. So you could count on, you know, a, a quarter of the field, a dozen cars wrecking out. And, and you used to be able to make mistakes, get the damage fixed and still get some points. And, and that margin for error just does not exist uh, in the modern day road racing we see in the Coke series. Yeah, I hear that. So now we get down to where Mitchell's been looking on Bobby, you know, the whole time. And it is a battle for the lead by lap 12. Uh, the, he almost gets him side by side in the bus stop, but thinks twice about it. Um, and then it, it, the next uh, turn one, he does get by and Mitchell DeYoung takes the lead. And we knew that Mitchell, you know, we mentioned he was uh, applying the pressure early. Um, that battle kind of went on from lap uh, two or three to six, and then it kind of backed off a little bit. Uh, you know, Bobby was able to maintain the race lead, um, and then Mitchell gets back to him uh, and a little bit of a touch, right? I mean, uh, you know, Bobby would admit this in his post-race interview, the fact that, listen, you know, Mitchell would get next to me, and I'd put a door to him, right, uh, trying to, you know, force him wide. And, and there was contact, I think, uh, in my opinion, 100% between those two down into one. Mitchell gets the position, kind of shoves Bobby out. But again, I think fair is fair. I think they both recognize that a little bit of a bump goes one way. That's going to be paid back the other way. Uh, and I think Mitchell was the faster car, right? That's why he was able to continue to to, to get repeated looks uh, for the lead. So I didn't see anything wrong with that bit of contact. And uh, Mitchell was able to pull away some two seconds uh, in the lap uh, once he got around Bobby's ease. So, so he certainly had a lot of really good pace at that point. Yeah, fairly clean and in 2022's NASCAR world. Uh, lap 16, Matt Busa. So we start getting pits here. Uh, Matt Busa and, and uh, Hearst pit. Uh, lap 19, Derek Bardot spins. Um, and then we notice that all hope may not be lost for Zelensky if he can't win. Uh, with Alfala getting minimum points, you know, he'll fall out of the playoffs likely. Uh, Novak is also down in 33rd at this point. By points, Zelensky would take over 10th but uh, we'll have to watch out for Blake Reynolds, who just pitted. Yeah, Reynolds, uh, you know, comes down to the pit lane and you've got a couple of drivers. Now, remember, it's a 45 lap race, but your fuel window is just a little bit over 30. So uh, at this point, we're, we're in the final 30. You know, this race isn't going to go to overtime. And uh, so a couple of the drivers trickling uh, down pit road um, early in this one. Of course, that story with Alfala dropping it back was big because uh, it opened up a spot to somebody on points. 
Bobby, remember I mentioned, was leading, so he was in. Once he lost the lead, he then got dropped down to the last points-occupied spot, and Mitchell, current race leader, who is below the cut, jumps up. So that forces both uh, Novak uh, and uh, the 15 Reynolds below the line, and that was not a position they were in 10 laps ago. So uh, I think that kind of illustrated that ever-changing drama of the cut line uh, that took a big swing uh, when Mitchell went to the race lead. Yep. Uh, other notables pitting lap 24, Casey Kerwin, uh, 18 to go. Jimmy Mullis and uh, Keegan Leahy. Uh, Keegan actually gets speeding on pit road. Um, it was like a 40 second stop and hold. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. I mean, you know, it goes back to what I mentioned with Briar earlier. Of course, um, you know, damage from getting into the walls is a bit different from, you know, making a mistake on pit road. But again, same concept. If you're spending any additional time in pit road, you're done. And uh, that was a tough break for Keegan, who, you know, wasn't necessarily having um a stellar night but started fifth right i mean keegan uh has mentioned to us many times he's not the most comfortable on the road courses he doesn't come into these thinking he's gonna get top fives top threes and uh, i think it's a real shame because uh, he was probably on par to have one of his better nights and again a little mistake on entry it's not a not necessarily a difficult pit road entry at watkins Glen. certainly a little bit tight pull off to the right but if you want to back it down uh you certainly can and just you know wanted to to, to get a little bit of extra time and and cost him big yep that line comes up real quick off that corner and i think it's only 40 mile an hour uh some other key stops here so 15 to go bobby Zelensky pits from second uh, i i think he's thinking okay i'm gonna short pit you know mitchell and and see if it'll work uh 14 to go dylan alt and Corey vincent pit uh also stephen wilson graham boland and then 13 to go two after bobby the leader, Mitchell DeYoung, pits from the lead. After it cycles, he ends up with the lead about a good five seconds over Zelensky with 11 to go. Yeah, normally what you expect when you, when you have such a variance in the pit stops, right, with some drivers pitting, you know, six laps, seven laps earlier, uh, the majority of the field is they're going to get the fresh tires sooner and they're going to overtake, right? That was not an element in this race because nobody was really taking tires. Um, you know, the, the fall off was just non-existent. Um, to that point so drivers would just go in you know eight seconds of fuel and get out so um, you know that typically would give you the benefit of the undercut right he's trying to get ahead that doesn't happen so you know mitchell's still the fastest car on track he pits gets in and out uh executed better than bobby and some of the other guys in the top five and and was able to maintain his race lead relatively unchallenged yep and then uh, donovan strauss he got a penalty speeding on pit road at six to go, uh, Corey Vincent actually spins. Five to go, Dylan Alt uh, was running ninth. Wanted to point out his career best finish in the uh, e NASCAR Coke Series is 17th. Uh, and he's the only rookie at the moment in the race inside the top 20. Impressive stuff. Uh, you know, we it's funny because we say you know watkins Glen is uh, and any road course is a bit of a wild card and it's not in your conventional wisdom right i mean you say wild card about a dega or a daytona you get it right anybody can win that race um i will say that not everybody can win the watkins Glen race right there's just the, the the talent's closer like i mentioned right you don't have that big spread from the top guys to the midfield like you used to have but i mean the, the top five top three are just another level but that opportunity comes in the midfield right where some of the stronger guys may not be comfortable give somebody like that an opportunity to to get a career best run yeah, absolutely. And now we're down to the end, nail-biting time. Uh, five to go. 
you know, Mitchell's leading it. Uh, we see Garrett Maines and Reynolds touch. Uh, Maines gets into the wall, was able to continue, though. Uh, lo loses some spots. Uh, more trouble for Corey Vincent. He gets tagged with Alan Bo Bowes. Uh, they fall back to 19th and 11th. But uh, nobody has anything for Mitchell. And checkered flag, he wins his first uh, win of the year. First win of the season, uh, third career win, and they have all come at three different road courses, right? And this was the big story last year. Bobby Zelensky was the king of the road courses, and then Mitchell DeYoung came in and won two of three. And, you know, was competitive, obviously, at Road America, had speed. And then here tonight, again, straight up beat Bobby Zelensky. And that's not to take anything away from Bobby, right? Both of those two have an extensive IRAC to World Championship Series background outside of the Coke Series in sports cars and road course racing. Uh, it is truly a treat to watch those two because it may be the best two driver pairing we've ever seen on the road courses in this series. And you got the Wilsons and you got the Bolins right there as well. Um, I, I don't think we've ever seen a more competitive era of road course racing in this Coke series, but Mitchell DeYoung is the man more race wins on the road courses than anybody else over the course of the last two years. And it's a huge, huge victory for him because of course he gets himself into the the playoff grid courtesy of that race win uh, he's a top 10 car in the point so he is not at risk of dropping out of the top 20 uh, and he is uh, guaranteed uh, to be fighting for the title once again this year all right so let's look at that playoff picture with one race left uh, we got the top nine locked in right uh, so I'm going to call them out Steve Wilson Nick Ottinger Mike Conti Casey Kerwin Matt Busa Graham Bolin Mitchell Femi Ola and Garrett Lowe Yep, 10 different race winners, but nine are locked in. Um, nobody in those top nine that you mentioned can fall below the top 20 cut. Uh, Garrett Lowe is the lowest of them in 12th. Can't fall to 20th, I don't think, mathematically. Uh, he's got 270 points. And yeah, it's 218 for Leahy on the bubble. So they're all mathematically locked in. We know those nine drivers will fight uh, for the championship. And then your big question mark is the last spot, right? Of course, Ray Alfala, his problem is his poor result. He falls to 23rd in the points. He has 205 total. Keegan Leahy is 20th in the points. That's the benchmark, right, that Ray needs to get to. Leahy's at 218. So Alfala's not done yet right i mean this is the uh, darlington that we're coming up to this is a racetrack that's abrasive it's rough on cars it's hard people can get in accidents that margin for error is thin um but that's going to be a tall order still right i mean it's not as simple mike is saying you know he needs to score 13 points he needs to outscore Leahy, uh, you know, those other drivers, Strauss, Hurst, he needs to beat those guys by double digit positions minimum. So that's step one, right? That Rayoff Alice still has a chance to get in, but Rayoff Alice's fate is no longer in his hands, right? Because Bobby Zelensky's in on points right now. Bobby is only two points ahead of Zach Novak for the final spot on points. He is only six points ahead of Blake Reynolds for the final spot on points. So that's battle two. And then battle three is still anybody else in the top 20 could win at Darlington and kick all those guys out, right? Ray could still get the points necessary to get to P20. But if then there's a race winner higher than him in the points that gets a win, he gets booted. 
So I'm looking at, obviously, Zelensky, Novak, and Reynolds, right? That three-way battle for the final point spot. Any of them could win. But Corey Vincent, Michael Guest, Garrett Mage, Jimmy Mullis, Dylan Duvall, Vicente Salas, and Donovan Strauss are all eligible with a race win to lock into the playoffs. So you have those three very distinct storylines. Number one is the Real Fallis story. Number two is the three-way battle with Zelensky, Novak, and Reynolds. And number three is the possibility of an 11th different race winner. I bet that that championship picture is going to change every five or 10 laps at Darlington. It is going to be a cannot miss event in two weeks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love all these different scenarios with the points uh, to see, you know, what people have to do to, to do what, you know, Bobby is looking like he's in a good spot, but, but like you said, if, if somebody gets their first win, he's out the door. It's that easy, right? I mean, again, Ray can do everything he needs. Uh, you know, Ray could win the race, uh, you know, and, and that would be the only thing that could save him, you know, is if he gets two wins, then he gets bumped higher up in the playoff standings, right? But Ray Alfala could finish second. He could get to the top 20 in points and it could not matter, right? It still may not give him enough points to get in. And then you got that other battle, which I think is going to be the real one to watch, right? The the likelihood of Alfala sneaking in is a little bit thin. Uh, I will say that the likelihood of those guys in the teens uh, getting in is a, is a little bit lower as well. What I'm really looking forward to is the three-way battle between Zelensky, Novak, and Reynolds. I mean, you've got three really talented race car drivers, only six points apart from each other. And, you know, let's look at these names in terms of what they did last year at Darlington. Guess who won? Bobby Zelensky. Now, yes, I know it's a different era car. It's difficult to compare, but he finished first in that race. Zach Novak last year finished 12th. So uh, he had a relative amount of success as well. So those guys like Darlington. That puts a lot of pressure uh, on some of these other guys, right? Blake Reynolds was 10th. So all three of those guys, I'm expecting them to run well. Uh, and that's why I think that thing's going to change uh, lap by lap. And uh, something tells me we're going to be getting a lot of use out of that live points tracker um, over the course of that race at the track too tough to tame. All right. Well, I think we're set up very well for Darlington. Evan Pasoko, thanks so much for coming on and talking Coke racing with us. Anytime, guys. I encourage everybody to tune in um, and join us. It'll be two weeks' time, as always, Tuesday night, August 30th from Darlington. Make sure you tune in a little bit early at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The countdown to Green Crew uh, is going to break again. Old, I could talk for an hour about all of these point situations, uh, but our countdown to Green Crew is going to do a good job of getting everybody prepped for the race, uh, and then I believe we got some special guests um, that will be joining me in the booth. So it should be a fun time. All right, looking forward to it, and hey, we'll see you then. We'll see you guys then. jumping into the news topics today and we as we uh, previewed uh the, the biggie is the dale Earnhardt jr interview on it uh, looks like the iRacing's channel right yeah and what's neat it says part one so i expect a second interview uh forthcoming yeah it's cool to listen to and uh, get to hear the breakdown of the 87 car how it was basically the detail that went into building that car basically from the ground up was pretty nice to we've heard it in the past but it's was, it was nice to hear it again 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, he talked about the 87's development, getting uh, Bobby Labonte involved. He went around to NASCAR alumni from the past, uh, back in the 80s, crew chiefs, engineers, drivers from that period. He ended up with a you know real setup notes from those people, Ho actual horsepower numbers, uh, and many other uh, things. iRacing took it all and incorporated it, all of it. Uh, and, and using what we know today, he was also saying that they could make the car run faster and better, but he was telling them to hold off on that. Let's keep it true to the period. I mean, you have to, I'd imagine, if you're going to simulate something from 1987, you'd imagine it would have to, you know, be as close to 1987 as possible. I don't think you I would think want to see the Lotus 87 or no, the Lotus 47 feeling just like an LMP1, right? I, I kind of get the impression what he's talking about is like, a particular setup like you know back in the day they would never run you know super soft springs in the left front or something you know for example uh and and nowadays that might be a trick or something so that's what i think he's talking about is you know even though there might be some trick setups that we would run in 2022 uh let's not do it so like specifically coil binding which kind of came in in the late 90s early 2000s right good example yes the other thing, Donnie, I thought was neat about this is he talks about the team's league environment um, in Discord. You know, uh, get on, you know, on a Tuesday night, he mentions, and, you know, hang with your friends. And even though you haven't met these people after a while, I mean, you meet every week in, in Discord for a couple hours and, and you end up talking about life and family and friends and you become friends. And, and he talks about how it, becomes a community and so you know when you're when you're an eye racer and you first get involved you're kind of out there on an island by yourself you know racing uh that's why the teams are so cool that's why we have team tofosi and um donnie you're kind of coming from that you know not on a team out on an island by yourself now you've been in the team environment for a couple months for months now i mean what do you think uh, about what dale jr said and do you agree with it no, I agree 100%. So I cut my mic off a long time ago. So I've been on even a farther island than everybody else. I haven't been talking to nobody. I'll message people from time to time during a, a, for a racing incident. But after joining you guys, I uh, just made the experience so far a lot better. And then the friends you're talking about, you get to just hear people's uh, personal experience. We got some real racers on the team. It's nice to see uh, his journey throughout um the carding and hopefully late model soon, but just everybody's backgrounds, everybody's uh, interest. And, and it seems like everybody gets along, but there is bickering, bantering back and forth. That seems like it's in good fun, but no, and it's not just one day a week for us. We, uh, seems to be all day for us. And, uh, hopefully we're racing every day. <laughs> yeah. Our team chats all day, every day. Right. <laughs> but that's the fun of it. Uh, I mean, you, you develop friendships and, um, camaraderie, and I think it helps you be more competitive. I mean, I guess let's talk about that. I mean, during the races, I mean, what do you get there, Donnie? You know, you're listening to other people. They might not even be in your race, but what are you gathering from that? I mean, you hear David say, oh, I'm going to go up two clicks, you know, on the, on the right rear or something, or I'm going to go a half pound down. I mean, you can turn around and incorporate that into what you're doing, right? No, absolutely. So um, I've been in some races with some teammates, but listening to some setup changes during the race. Now we all got to keep in mind that we drive a little different uh, than the next guy. So that change might not work for you. Um, but it's just great to see where they're at in the race compared to where I, I might be. 
uh, especially laps and cautions and who's in what split. Um, but the thing I, man, I had something on the top of my head. I'll have to get back to it, but it was something where you were leading. Darn it, I forgot. But it was uh, regarding us, us racing. Oh, as a strategy. So, so, yeah, I lost focus on what I wanted to do. So I've been running a ton of series before um, I met with you guys. But um, I've decided I want to continue on the path I originally set forth myself when I got uh, the rig and went on iRacing. So hopefully by next season, I can start help build the sets as well. Because that's where I was starting off. I was building the trucks and the B-car B setups. But this next-gen car, I have a, a lot to learn with it. And then focusing on that, running some A-opens uh, with, with David in, in the future as well. Yeah, with your later uh, schedule, you know, I, I usually don't get home from from work in the gym until all the other East Coast guys want to go to bed. And on Central Time, I can run that later time zone. And I'm, I'm hoping you can jump in on some of that, which is usually around that 1030 Eastern race that, that I like to jump in on. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I saw that. I almost jumped on last night. I had some free time. I got a, a work gig was canceled on me last night, so I had some time, but I ended up just practicing. Well, as we continue to kind of come back to talking about Dell, it looks like we found him in Japan, Mike. Flying high in Japan. Actually, Anthony Alfredo put up a tweet. Hey, anyone noticed that Dale Jr. and Steve Myers are flying high in the sky at Suzuka? And he shows a video here. And sure enough, they're up in the air 100 yards or so. So is this new or a glitch? Because I've spent several laps around Suzuka, and I've never looked up probably. I think this is turn one or maybe the the last turn down the straight, but I've never seen it before. It seen looks them. like it's out uh, outside of the track. It's not above the track, but it's like outside the track and then up. Yeah, so you probably wouldn't see it um, driving uh, Formula cars. But I haven't spent time, and I noticed uh, – I think later on in the thread, he asks as everybody went to all the tracks and looked for them. And I know you mentioned it before on, on the show that you'll go to the new tracks that you get and try to find them. I have yet to spend time. I don't know how to do that mouse flyover thing you always talk about, but uh, I've never spent time to even try to look for them once. But maybe if I get some time, I'll, I'll try. Well, the, the most recent screenshot I saw was at the Chicago street course there on the top of one of the big buildings. Um, but the way you do it is you, you hit the control F12, and as you can see in Anthony's screenshot, that brings up the camera tool, which you see on the right. Now, you can minimize that once it's up um, by hitting the little red box at the bottom. But once it's up, if you hit the uh, control Z and then use your mouse buttons, your right or left button while you're moving the mouse, you can fly around like a bird. But you got to have the camera tool open and then the control Z. Uh, yeah. Interesting. I might go hunting, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I usually do it whenever I buy a track. I want to go see where they're at. And sometimes I just can't find them, you know. I, and uh, so I have not personally have seen them on every track. I've seen them on a few. I don't know that it would interest me, but I, I hope it's not a glitch that they just put them up in the air. That just seems uh, uncreative just having them float and also definitely unrealistic. Yeah. Maybe a balloon that could be attached to or something, but I've never seen, you can kind of see the spec from a distance on the screenshot here. And I think we would have saw that running that track. It's a bird title idea. Well, you know, one of the source of drama is always pit stops, right? Especially in real racing, but it can be a, it can become a factor in eye racing as well. What do y'all think of this cinematic video from the YouTube that they, they put up? 
Yeah, YouTube video is posted by Zven Cheddar. Shows off his cinematic skills focusing on a next-gen pit crew performing a pit stop. I watched it. Um, I appreciate the, uh, the passion of uh, Zven Cheddar. Let's hope, um, I don't know, he has a passion for something. He's trying to build, uh, make, uh, create something. The production value is great. I just don't know about the actual content. You're right. Because it's, it's the same exact same thing every time. So it gets hard for me to take that part of it serious. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a lot of on track activity as well for a pit crew cinematic video, but I mean, there's no different animations, So you're going to get the same animations every time, but you know, maybe it's a hobby for this guy and he's, He's trying something out. Well, you you got to have the music on, um, and I think the best part of the video is before the pit stop. I mean, uh, it's got this real, you know, Tom Cruise Days of Thunder kind of feel to it. You know, he's got these shots of the driver, you know, and and he's shaking in the car, and he's got shots of the car up close and then far away. You know, and all and, and all this dramatic music behind it, and it's all building up to the moment he slides into the box. Now we were talking uh, pre-record about what do you guys see when when you get these pit crew come around the the car, and I mentioned, you know, every time I'm on pit road and I look down for my pit stall when I'm within ten stalls. I actually see the, the four tires or at least the two outside ones on the right side sitting on the pavement in the spot they should be on with no no tire changers, just the tires. Uh, just for a split second, they're there. Then they disappear. And then as I approach the box, of course, the crew jumps off the wall and does the stop. But uh, David, you said you haven't seen that before. Um, I'm not sure. No, I, I didn't realize you were talking about in the game when, when you had mentioned it then. Um, but it's, I got two theories. It's either just a holdover from a lower graphics setting when, when you don't have the animated pit crew. So they go ahead and put it out there. So it's easier for you to find the box or number two, they just have it out there. So it's easier for you to find your box. Yeah. I don't think I've personally seen it. Um, too many cars may get in the way. I have a problem finding my own pit boards. So when I paint my cars, I, I would have for whatever reason make a, a nice looking pit board and then it just blends in with the background. I can't see it. So and I always forget to change it to a different color. So I'm thinking for pit board purposes, I need to go with a day glow color. Well, if you're not running the free sim racing apps with the countdown to pit stall, it has a, you know, it has a little uh, square you can put on the, on the screen it, that's yellow and it shows you the speed and then it, and also at the bottom, it has 10, 9, 8, how many boxes away. So I look up and I see that, and then I just look at, you know, I'm like not even looking at my pit stall, Donnie. I'm looking at my uh, software counting me down to my stall. And I just listen now. I, I, I definitely only use the audio cue there. So I got the audio cue. I, I use the Earl Bamber spotter pack, and they do a good job at that. Um, but I, I have to pay attention to my speed on pit road. Uh, so I'm 95% of the time staring at the speed and then I'm glancing over looking for my pit box or hearing it when it comes up. But still, sometimes when it gets that five, four, three, two, and you're getting close, you, there's a chance you could overshoot it by a couple feet. I, yeah. It also shows the speed, the sim racing apps thing, um, to the 10th, which means you can get it. Like if it's a 45 mile an hour speed limit, 
you can actually go 45.4, you know, you can like inch it up a little bit or, or you'll see it at, you know, 44.9 and, you know, you can, you can get it, you can fine tune that speed a little better. So I really uh, encourage that tool. It's pretty cool. Now, are you actually talking about the JRT just dashboard instead of the sim racing apps? No, this one's from sim racing apps. Okay. JRT has something similar right on the dashboard where it covers up everything else on your dashboard and just flashes a big plus whatever, how exactly plus however you are. And it gets redder and redder depending on how much you're pushing it. Cause you can always sit at about 0.8 over and still be okay. If you push over, you better get down quick though. Cause I, I've never figured out the exact amount, but there, you get, you get a certain amount of grace and it almost works out on a, on the average basis, just like it does with loop timing. But I don't know if it's actually loop timing or not. Yeah, I also run that same Joe Real Timing dashboard that you do, but I, I don't focus on it. It's kind of peripheral, but, you know, it, it's also a reinforcement. You know, I it gives you that colors, like you said, uh, that, that shows when you're close. And, uh, yeah, I, I love it. I, I use that on top of my wheel, you know, on an Android phone. All right. Well, the next story we do have come up is a continuing running theme that we've been covering a lot lately. We have Garrett Lowe's unique sim to reality story. Uh, it was an article by Seth Eggert from Kicking the Tires, and it highlights the Coke Series veteran Garrett Lowe as he runs real-life legend cars, especially on, on nights as he has to do double duty. He missed this year's Coke Series All-Star event to, so that he can compete in the 2022 Summer Cookout Series finale at Charlotte Motor Speedway. He ended up finishing the, in the series in third place, and he set his eyes to move to late models soon. Uh, the article goes on to explain that Lowe has been pulling double duty between Coke and Legends Night Racing all the way back since 2020. Yeah, sounds kind of crazy. So double duty meaning he has to run the Coke Series race and a real-life race in the same evening. Uh, so for me, it's six o'clock uh, Pacific. So they're running at nine o'clock. So I guess he would have enough time to run home or maybe have something set up um, temporarily at the track, potentially. Is he based on the West Coast? He's Charlotte, I think. No, I was just thinking oh, of times what time they ran out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he uh, there's several times he's had to do double duty this uh, season in the Coke series. I mean. You know, with his one win and the Coke, uh, and and he is in the top twenty in points. So you know, he's he's in the playoffs. So, uh, well done, Garrett. And it's clearly established now that there's the line between the sim world and the real real world is is very fuzzy to the, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. The top guys are starting to blur the line, and and if they're good enough and they can do what they're doing on the sim and in real life, why not pull pull from the sim world, find a driver that way. So what's this next thing we got going on here, Donnie? Something about a Sim Seats competition? Yeah, this past Sunday in Richmond, Sim Seats held a friendly competition of hot laps around Richmond utilizing Sim Seat uh, rig setups. Notable participants uh, were Garrett Maines from the Coke Series, Kaz Grala from Young Motorsports, and Raja Karuth. Um, per the leaderboard posted, Garrett Maines held the top spot. I don't know if that was a finality, but the, po the pictures they posted, he was uh, number one on the list, um, followed by, I think Kazgrel was uh, a little bit behind him and then Caruth. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Get to see more of this stuff out at the track, get some drivers involved and even some Coke drivers that they're, they're getting out there. And it's just cool to see that no matter where they are, they're the best of the best. They're going to show up and still run hot laps no matter, no matter where they're at, whatever rig they're in. 
Yeah, that's on a different wheel, not nothing fine tuned. That that's what always makes me nervous when I jump into rig. At the, it's like, man, that the steering ratio. What was that mess? Or, or now being used to hydraulic paddles, imagine going back to to like a G twenty seven pedal. Yeah, looking at that side shot of uh, Kaz Grala, I dig it. Uh, um, how it's almost in his lap, like a, a real stock car would be. Um, so you'd have to, I'm assuming, collapse that up or take the wheel off to get it in and out. But uh, no, I like it. And then further down. Um, Sim Seats posted that they, while in town, they stopped by Young Motorsports and to help them tune up their Sim rig. So it's cool to see Young Motorsports um, in-house Sim is a regular Sim rig uh, running iRacing. Yeah, it gives a, a good view of, you know, what his Sim rig is all about. You know, it's kind of like a real thick sheet metal kind of. Uh, you know, flat metal pieces, you know, that are bent to 90 degrees and that kind of thing. So it's not an 80-20 by any means, but uh, it, it looks rigid. It looks like it gets the job done. Massive Sparco seat on it. So when I was in the process of, of uh, getting on and building this rig, I went to my buddy's late model shop and uh, his brother was there and he's like, oh yeah, we're, we just got on iRacing. We're going to put our drivers to the program and uh, use the sim as a, as a tool. I was like, cool. So I go up there and uh nothing like what you see here in this picture it was a logitech wheel um it was vr that's when i got sick that's when i the one, one only time with vr but it was cool even a small time late model uh team out here in california using a uh, some sort of iRacing rig as a as a development tool well it's affordable you know and which uh, kind of ties us into our next story david <laughs> Well, you want affordable. If you're a new member, this is a this is a time to get on. Um, we got a huge summer sale, um, and I just now kind of reading up on it, and I'm, I'm a little bit uh, surprised. I mean, this is a big, big, big cut. Uh, Irising is currently offering any new subscribers seventy five percent off their initial sign up subscription. Uh, current iRacers can use or current iRacers can use their referral codes found in their my account section to earn credits when their friends sign up. So you can also uh, get some money for helping them sign up. That, that that's a pretty huge deal. If you buy a whole year or two at twenty five percent, that's pretty cheap. Now, um, I don't. I, I guess that's just going to include the monthly. So you might not be able to throw in all your content in that exact same purchase, but still, that's a that's a real good deal. Holy cow! I mean, two years is normally two two hundred dollars, and it's under fifty. It's forty nine seventy five. It's uh, fifty bucks for two years. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it that cheap uh, since I've been in iRacing. One year is twenty seven fifty. That is that is crazy. I, I can imagine getting an influx of uh, new users. Do you guys run second accounts ever? No. So what I've, I noticed that I'll see a name and then a number next to it. Why do people have multiple accounts? What's the benefit of that? Well, if, if you're really trying to farm iRating to go pro, but you still want to be able to run some some other ovals or, or, or any of the other disciplines where that can also affect your iRating, it gives you a place to be able to run for fun and not worry about getting wrecked out and really, really in, in a field that's not a strength of field race where you can lose a ton of I rating. Like uh, if you're an 8,000 I rating and you jump in on an A open and it, you have, it's a single split and there's a 500 guy in there, you get wrecked out. You're going to get smothered for I rating. 
Alan Pajari, when he was on, he gave us a good story about why he has a second account. I mean, his I rating is somewhere between around 4,000, I think. Um, and, and basically he just runs NIS with that I, with that I rating and that account. And he wanted to, like David said, run other stuff, be free to, to not jack that up by, Hey, I'm going to go try the 87 cars. And I don't want to mess up everything I've been working for for the last four years, building this I rating to 4,000 because it's precious and I don't want to lose it. I want to stay in stop top split, which is just the opposite of what I did, you know, more than a year ago when I said, screw it, I'm going to run the 87s. I'm going to run the sprint cars. And my I rating dropped from about around 3,400 down to 2,000 uh, pretty darn quick. And I have yet to get back to that point of 3,400. Uh, even, you know, months and months later, uh, even years later, that's why people do it. Yeah, that's the biggie. There's the other utility is if you want to be able to stream third party views instead of only streaming when you're in the car. So you could actually throw up a, uh, stream showing camera views of your car or both you can you can get basically two views you, somebody can see your car from the tv view as well as in the cockpit at the same time if you're running it on a different pc all right makes sense sounds like a lot of work at times possibly at the end of the day you're spending money uh, to have a second account even though this is cheap you have to buy the cars and the tracks that are not included again now right, did, what about ahead, the uh, current members though well, we were talking about that. You know, the the big sale we usually jump on is the uh, the iRace or the Thanksgiving Black Friday sale, right? Is is a pretty good deal usually for us, especially if you go ahead and start getting on a yearly subscription routine. You can you can save some good money there. Also, you have if you have owned more than forty pieces of equipment, you get twenty percent off of everything, so you don't have to worry about buying in bulk anymore to get to get discounts on tracks and cars. So they also tweeted current iRacers can use their referral codes found in my account section to earn credits when their friends sign up for the one or two year membership during the sale. Yep. Yep. I did mention that at the top. So can I refer myself if I buy a second account? <laughs> Probably. I, that, that's interesting. I wonder if they would actually cut chop that down or not because are you still going to, they're probably still going to end up with more money that they didn't have. I don't think you're going to basically get the whole account for free. No. Have you seen, recently reused a referral code networks? I believe it's 10 bucks you get. Okay. All right. Usually Brian covers these, but I'll just go ahead and read off the, the report that we got here. Um, Say has, he's won the second straight iRacing World of Outlaws butt kicker late model round at, and this time it was at Williams Groove. After back-to-back runner-up finishes at the start of the season, is it C or Say? Do you guys know? Is it C? Say. It is Say? All say. Right. He's now, he now has back-to-back victories under his belt after Monday night's triumph at Watkins Glen Speedway. Or no, Williams Grove. Sorry, got Watkins Glen on the brain. Um, he's already the points leader coming into the race and the first repeat winner of the 2022 season. He now has a 37-point advantage over Kendall Tucker, entering the halfway point of the season. And it's thanks to his continued consistency. Consistency. So the top five was Evan Say, Dylan Wilson, Kendall Tucker, Felix Roy, and Blake Majoilis. And the championship standings at 305 points is Evan Say. 268 is Kendall Tucker. Blake Majulis at 
256, Dylan Yeager at 255, and Logan Rumsey at 230. Very cool. Yeah, so I caught some of this. Um, It's always fun to watch. I I like the dirt stuff. I like watching the dirt stuff. I just am terrible at it. Hopefully I could uh, in the future. Somebody mentioned about turning the force feed back off maybe get a little better at dirt, but yeah, I like watching it. It's fun. Um, what, um, yeah, other than that, it's good stuff. Yeah. I missed the day. Y'all really talked about the, the dirt tweaks. You don't turn it off. You just turn it low so that you can kind of snap the wheel pretty quick. And the other thing you do is you, you pull every trick you can to make the wheels just turn as quick as you can so that you can correct. Cause if you, if, like when I run asphalt, I like to run a super slow wheel because it really lets me take care of the right front. If you try to do that in a dirt car, you're going to, you'll never be able to recover every time you get sideways. You'll just overcorrect. So you, you want to basically have the quickest response you can on the wheel instead of, instead of the opposite direction. Those are the kind of the two biggies you do. So a small uh, steering ratio and lower force feedback. Yeah. You want the, you want the smallest, race you can with a low force feedback and i even intentionally under res, do under resolution on that one instead of giving it the full 10 80 degrees of rotation that makes it that and that makes it snap even faster yep yeah i when i first started dirt i didn't know all that and i couldn't drive it but once i figured that trick out it uh, made it a lot more comfortable yeah i had to learn dirt when majors ran it and i spent the first half of the week just race just terrible this was just awful i was i was i was basically i mean no i just couldn't control the car and um finally figured out that that's exactly what was happening is it was just constantly i was just unable to overcorrect it pretty much yeah that led me to win bristol dirt this year in the next gen all right it looks like we got a new uh apparel company called hill to toe yeah i found this and uh some great looking shirts. The one I put a picture of up is like an apex uh, kind of, you know, where uh, a driving line and where the apex is and where you would hit the brake, coast, and then gas, uh, kind of that thing. At the driving line through a hairpin. Uh, yeah, some of the, uh, the product online looks pretty good. What I like about it is uh, the simplicity of it. Um, nothing's too loud. I like uh, my shirts to be simple. That's why it's hard to find a good um, NASCAR shirt for myself. But um, no, I like these. The hats are, they got some good uh, good mesh back hats as well. I like the uh, H pattern, uh, you know, simple white H pattern on a, you know, dark charcoal shirt. They got other ones that show a brake disc, you know, with a caliper. And the caliper, you know, is either red, yellow, or blue. They even have socks. Socks have I- grip on them? I no, but they're they're decorative, you know. Considering I use a uh, a foot cam on my stream now, I, I probably should get some of these. And I'll tell you right now, with those hydraulic pedals, you're not going without shoes. They're just too heavy. Neat little store though. I like it. They got stickers and different things too. Patches. Heelandtoeapparel.com. Yeah, check them out. All right, have you ever pulled off this kind of a pit in, advanced level pit entry, Mike? <laughs> this one caught me off guard a little bit. I mean, the guy is actually in the pit box. He goes to leave the pit box. He spins it to the right. It spins around. It flips upside down, rolls. And, I mean, he did a whole circle when this happened, and it rolled right back into his pit box, and his crew went and serviced the car. 
Yeah, that that has to make your iRacers either top ten or not top ten, because if it's tire limit, um, you're in trouble. Now, there's another car that did the same thing. I, I almost wonder if they were goofing off here. I think they were trying to do it, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so was, he probably unchecked the box when he pitted. He's like, damn it, I need tires. And that was his way of coming around real quick to put tires on. Okay. Well, you see, the tw- there's that 25 car that comes by and pulls the same thing. How many times have you tried that where you pull forward, back up, and like, give me tires, but they won't do it? Because you have to do a barrel roll, apparently. You have to barrel roll back into the pit box. Okay, I'll try that next time. Uh, this is, like you said, one way of using up too many tires. Uh, David, you had a problem in a race where you had a, an entire race to go and like one or two sets. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, I think we already talked about that one. I, it, um, it was one of those where I had to reset the, the Steam VR again right after gridding. And I came back in and it took, a, it took two sets of tires away, not just one. And so, yeah, I had to spend the first hour just uh, saving tires. Felt like you still finished good in that race, from what I remember. I, I th- we'll see when we get the results. I don't. It, it's all mushed together right now. But this is crazy. I just, definitely, the title ideal is barrel roll or barrel pit. Okay, I got this one. Uh, listener Michael Miner sent this in, and it's very interesting. Um, so I'll read what he what he sent in. What would you do if you saw a commercial during the Coke race with a Cup Series driver on iRacing making moves on the track in his sponsored car, and then you realize that the footage is actually you? It was actually you on track and your car from seven months ago, but the car has been repainted, assuming trading paints, to look like this professional driver making moves on iRacing dodging crashes. Well, that happened to me tonight. Fair point. What threw me off, it was Logitech commercial with iRacing clips embedded into it. It it wasn't an iRacing promo of any kind. It was actually a Logitech commercial. So iRacing has my clip of that. I sent it in and made made the Daytona highlights video way back in February. I just find it fun that I can walk around and tell people I help make Bubba Wallace look good. Now, you can see the videos. Uh, he, He gave two videos, and he told... Uh, what time and I embedded them with the right time stamp so if you hit play on our script you can see the original video that he posted in February and then you can see the Logitech commercial that features Bubba Wallace and it shows Bubba you know you know driving and this and that and then they cut quickly to the iRacing footage and then they cut back but like you said, it, they even changed the paint on the car. But it's literally the same event that he sent in in uh, February. I would say he has to have an incredible eye just watching that commercial. I remember seeing it during the, the Coke race, and I would have not thought anything of it. I mean, obviously, it wasn't my clip to begin with. But how he was able to spot um, that that was him and, and his clip was pretty crazy because, I mean, I guess there is some good footage in the, in the commercial itself, but the, all the cars were painted. Um, different. They weren't the same paints from his clip at all. Um, but no, it was, a, it was a good catch on his, his part. And yeah, pretty cool clip you sent in. And just to think if you had never sent that in, they would have had to find some other footage to use. Well, the first thing I mentioned to him was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all agree to terms and conditions where, you know, iRacing can do what they want with our likeness, our footage, or anything that happens within the sim. 
it's their property at the end of the day you know you got to remember it's a subscription based you're leasing the content you don't own nothing but they also i mean they'll use it but they also allow you to make money off your streams and stuff because it still promotes them like i actually asked nim cross one time are you okay with me plugging my stream in the chat and he said yep it helps us free exposure from uh, you know the logitech commercial was pretty neat um it's a neat way to incorporate Bubba, you know, as their spokesman. Uh, it's neat to show the footage while he's sitting in the sim. Uh, they don't show a lot of it. It's just a few, you know, you know, as he dodges through the wreck and, and a hole opens up and he's able to clear them. You know, that's the part that they kind of lifted from that other video. And I imagine if you're iRacing and you have a, your sponsor Logitech, uh, who's sponsoring your Coke series? Say, you know what? Uh, we want to do a commercial. Uh, you know, we need some footage to to work with. You know, for Bubba Wallace, and so, you know, AI Racing puts out these videos once a month with all kinds of great footage. Maybe we can use some of that. I'm trying to think. So they took um, this kid's footage that he sent in. So they have that archive somewhere, and you could put your own trading paints files on top of that. Yeah, so he sent in the actual replay instead of just a video. Like when you go save a replay file, he sent that in to the guys at iRacing. That's what you're supposed to do. But then iRacing, they can pop it in their sim and then they can load up whatever paints they want. You just have to, you know, uh, paint the cars and then drop the paints in a certain folder and all that, right? Yeah, but that, the only thing that's kind of disappointing at is, is I would want if I'm going to see promotional footage of a driver, I I would like for it to be that driver. I think it's kind of, that aspect of it, even though it belongs to them, it seems disingenuous. So what they should have done is use the footage, the actual footage of Bubba Wallace during the the iRacing Invitational when he said "f it" and and uh, stormed off in the middle of the race. Yeah, it wasn't a Logic Tech wheel back then, but no, you're right. But I don't. Uh, it'd be more disingenuous to have Bubba on iRacing driving that well anyway. Zing. Well, the next thing we do have is there was a quick uh, patch put out, and I can't get logged into the forums net right now for some reason. So, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us what all we got on the patch notes? Yeah, I'm going to click on it now. It's a bunch of UI stuff. I'm not really going to go into that. Um, as far as a companion app, uh, they said. Um, there's trying to tell the people that still have the iSchedule app that they need to migrate to the new iRacing Companion app, and then the iSchedule app will eventually disappear. Uh, they did aerodynamic packages have been updated on the next-gen cars. Darlington, track surface parameters have been adjusted slightly. Now, we have a tip from a listener. I forget who it was in Discord. You guys get in Discord, and you'd have these tips. He told us he's been running Darlington, and uh, the bottom, they've done something. The bottom is the place to be, apparently, is what he told me. Uh, they did some kind of uh, track surface parameters adjustment. And then Indianapolis, the outer catch fence position has been adjusted, and the brake markers and caution lights have been updated to fit the new positions. And that's it. I like it. Yeah, nothing on here uh, too much that interests me. I'll probably download that app to give it a go, see what it's like. Uh, are you using the UI yet, Mike? Not unless I have to. 
I find that I'm, I'm having loading issues with the uh, UI uh, lately, so I, sometimes I'll go back to the old the website version, but I'm curious if, if that's on my end or what. If uh, Sometimes it'll just say fail to connect when I initially try to load into the UI, and I have to just try retry or click retry, and it goes in. But um, other than that, the UI's got, it's actually, I was kind of like you. It took me a long time to, to start using it, and then one day I just decided I'm going to use it from now on. Uh, but the championship point standings bother me, why that seems to be so difficult to get in there. Well, I'm just stuck to my ways, and it's so, you know, I have Google Chrome open anyway. You know, I got a, a, a bookmark, you know, so it's one click, and then it's one more click to register. It's literally just two clicks, you know, when I use the website. So can't beat it. All right, the final title I think we have for the news, it looks like Lucas Oil Speedway is hashtag soon. We've got a tweet from iRacing, and it's a picture of Lucas Oil Speedway. You can you don't really have to guess here. You can see the, the signage. Yeah, so I'd ask yeah. in our group chat today about this one because uh, how is this different than the asphalt version? Is it in the same area, same location? Um, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of the dirt version of it, but I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> It is confused. I'm confused as well. I was also going to say there's two versions of this Lucas Oil Speedway, and I've never been a fan of naming a racetrack after a sponsor. I mean, remember Lowe's Motor Speedway before it became Charlotte? And, you know, it, this stupid stuff like that. And then out in California, the AAA Speedway or whatever. It's well, didn't, BS. Didn't the paved Lucas Oil get renamed to O'Reilly Raceway Park for a while? Yeah, so you have the IRP, which is Indianapolis Raceway Park, which the trucks ran uh, this year. It was a great race. Uh, yeah, that used to be called ORP, I think, you, like you said, O'Reilly. Oh, yeah, that's that's not Lucas Oil, but I, I was thinking it was related to that. It, it, I think I thought it was called Lucas Oil at some point, too. It was. That's why I get it confused with Lucas Oil race, or Speedway, the, the asphalt version. I always think it's IRP, but it's not. They're two different things. Now we got this third one. And I'm sure these yeah. all, you know, existed in space, and I'm just being ignorant to the fact, but but an auto club out here in Fontana. Well, we know for a fact from Greg Hill interview that, you know, they're, they're working on the rest of Indianapolis, and that's going to be out in the September build, which is coming really soon, guys. Um, and now with this teaser, we know a dirt track's coming too. So, we, you know, this is the beginning of uh, – probably teasers for the next build. We're probably going to get a bunch of these in the next couple of weeks. Boy, the little 12 week seasons just keep rolling off quick. Don't they? <laughs> There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Sim coaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacers Lounge. You won't regret it.
podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast. Mention us to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out the Discord. Check out the website, iRacersLounge.com, for the script notes. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network.com and the SimRacingChannel.com, uh, which is live on Roku. All right. Uh, usually we have Brian or or uh, Tony to come in and do the fantasy, but Donnie, you've been keeping up with the fantasy as well, so it's your cookie today. Yeah, so this past weekend, the Cup Series was at Richmond, and our league winners this week, uh, for the race itself, Boats and Hose takes in the top spot, uh, Ray J number two, and Res Dog number three. And it looks like uh, three other individuals tied for fourth. Uh, overall standings, uh, Louder uh, still leading the way. Oh, baby, 44 in second. And 2IF in third. Trying to see the first. Looks like uh, Greg for the race finished the highest amongst amongst the team in ninth place. And Tony right behind him in 13th. I was terrible. I might have finished last or second to last. So somebody reminded me right before the race, check your picks. And I had a moment to do it. I went into the fantasy and uh, the only person I had listed was Kurt Busch. And I had no other picks, just Kurt. And so I did make picks this week and I didn't finish last. I actually finished second to last. And then Donnie, you're third to last. (laughs) Third to last and Steven's right above us. So uh, I had at one point, I think I was in like the top five for this, this race, but uh, it's fantasy, man. And you got to roll the dice and people crash and you shouldn't crash and, and whatnot. That's why I hate, I'm, I don't say I hate fantasy, but I, I don't like rooting for people I don't want to root for. And that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. Tony Gross had fourth. Um, Greg was ninth. Uh, Tony Rochette a 13th. Brian was 16th. That was TG1 Racing. Is that Tony? Yeah. So we had some some teammates finish high up there. But a road course. Right, so what about? That's going to throw yeah, what the about the Watkins Glen and then, uh, uh, yeah, that's going to be different. Eh, I tried the whole ringer thing last time and that backfired. But uh, I, uh, I have a feeling if Kimi doesn't get wrecked or wreck out, he's going to finish well. He's going to be in a good car. And it's going to surprise people who don't think he's going to run well. But I think I'm going with all ringers this week. Just to, why not? Because next week after that, it's Daytona. And again, you're just throwing names names to a wall and see what it sticks. Yeah, I'm going to pick Kimi. Kimi. Yeah, I hope he does good. Just for the his last experience, what was that, 10, 11 years ago, wasn't the best. I couldn't imagine driving an F1 car, winning a championship, then driving a truck. That's got to be weird. Well, I mean, he's with a good team. This team has won races this year. So I'm sure they're bringing a good piece. He's had some tests uh, already in the car. So, uh, should uh, you know, he should do well. I'm looking forward to it. I can't remember if they were testing at Virginia. But uh, obviously, they're going to show you clips that make him look good. But there were some clips in there. I was, I was thinking, he's moving. He's he's moving that car pretty quick. And I was a little surprised for a test. But he looked pretty pretty good. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. 
Are you looking for that next sim ring up sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, feel free to contact us for your needed item. They are on Etsy at Supreme 3D Printing. Now, Greg and I got our fan kits from them, uh, our uh, fan immersion kit. And then, David, you got some uh, marching band stuff from him, even. Yep, and it definitely already sped up our, our rehearsal time. Uh because we were able to kind of mark our spots quickly and then have a couple of the, we actually have managers in in the band, kids who don't play an instrument, who would, would just like to come out and help. And um, they, they go mark a couple of spots while the, while the pegs are down and we, we put our drill on the field a lot faster and uh, we're, we're already ahead of where we've been in a long time. Uh, that's one of the factors. And it's just the, the way this year has worked out and finally getting past all the delays from COVID and getting, getting things built back up. So we're having a pretty good year and those, those pieces are definitely helpful. It definitely speeds things up. All right. And the first hardware item we're going to hit is the A-Logs shifter or IE-Logs. This one's a weird spelling. Or is that a typo? It's it's A-O-Logs. So it is A-O-Logs. Okay. Yeah, look at the product. It has the sticker on it. Yeah, so it's t the typos in the paragraph. So the AO logs sequential shifter in handbrake. It's um, it's all metal, polished aluminum piece. It appears to be a nice option for the budget minded. Both units are ranged from about one hundred and seventy to two hundred US dollar, and they respectfully are they were shipped from Russia with an estimated shipping of three to ten days. Now, is this the one you got? Yes. I assumed they were out of business based on the Russia war um, that, because, I, you know, I didn't know, but uh, apparently they're not. I found that uh, they're still in business and their prices are cheaper than they were when I bought it. So what do you I have? I, you paid have the I got the sequential. I paid 270 before tax, I think. And then after shipping and tax and all that and that and whatever it is, it was like 325, maybe 340. It was, you know, I spent a lot. Uh, it was over three hundred dollars when I paid for it. Basically, I love it. I can't recommend it enough. Now I ended up getting the longer shaft, which is an option, and uh, and there's a a different kind of knob they have that has serrations on it, and and I got that too. It is fabulous. It's got a feel that feels like a real gear shift. It's small, compact. It's easy to mount. Um, it just plugs into USB. It's got a little light in it, so you can kind of see it. It's got a clear thing on the top where you can kind of see the mechanism in, inside, which you know gives it kind of this mechanical look to it. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for sequential, I can't recommend it enough. It comes uh, straight from Russia. I was a little concerned about buying something from Russia. I've never done that. But uh, it all worked out, and uh, it's a fabulous unit. How long ago did you buy it? Uh, I bought it when I built the rig. So that was no, more than a year ago. But three to ten days sounds awfully impressive. I believe they ship two days a month uh, towards the middle and towards the end of the month. With the shipping date, they, they promise of three to ten days to, to the States, which is actually pretty good coming from Russia. Yeah. And, um, you know, part of, 
you know, I found uh, Barry's video. Yeah, we have Barry's video on this unit um, on the on the script here. That's from 2018. That review that Barry did. But uh, yeah, he he also says very favorable things about the shifter, and I think that was one of the reasons I ended up buying it was all the reviews. All right, Donnie, we've got a hint from Trevor Perry that something's coming big to the sim racing community related to Moza and their and their new racing ecosystem. Yeah, so uh, Trevor Perry put out a tweet, and I believe he's uh, tied into Moza somehow. But uh, he uh, essentially says, if you're planning on buying an entry-level wheel base or thinking of upgrading, then apparently you might have to wait. According to Trevor Perry, a brand ambassador to Moza Racing, hints at something massive coming to the sim racing community. He does not indicate what the nature of the news is and who it is coming from or when. So I can only imagine it's coming from Moza, since uh, on his Twitter profile there, uh, he's a brand ambassador for, for Moza, but... Yeah, I couldn't imagine what could be so big. You guys have any thoughts? Well, in the in the replies, there's another hint. Uh, one one Twitter said, "Like, do you mean it's a really big wheelbase that takes up a lot of room, or do you mean really big news?" Just wondering. And Trevor replied, "It's a small package, mega news." So I don't know, but they just released the uh, what they called the uh, sixteen, I think. Uh, and a wheel, and that was just a few weeks ago. That was like five or six weeks ago, and we talked about that. So uh, apparently this is something different from that. Yeah, that was their version of the Mini DD, right? Right. So we'll wait. Uh, we'll watch what Trevor Perry says, and we'll watch for what Moza says. Uh, if you're about to buy a wheel, maybe you should wait. I don't know. But if you aren't waiting, we have the Canvas DDWB 2021 plus a GT1 wheel. Have you checked this one out, Mike, or watched this video? I have. It was YouTuber Dan Suzuki. He does basically kind of his review. Uh, with the wheel being discounted to 500 uh, he mentions the prices okay. He tested the wheel in both ACC and iRacing and found he was a little disappointed with how the wheel base performed in iRacing. It does ship from China with a hefty shipping cost of $200. Overall, Suzuki indicated the DD for 500 feels just a little bit weak, but will probably be good enough for most people. Yeah, so good. what if, you know, you got a guy, uh, you know, he does a 75% off for his new membership. He wants to get involved. He wants to keep the price down. He's thinking about Logitech, 300 to $400 for Logitech. Why not spend another hundred? Well, actually, two hundred with shipping. That makes this one seven hundred. But if you know, three or four hundred up to five hundred, and you get a wheel like this for over a Logitech. I mean, is this better than a Logitech? I would think it is. Uh, probably. But if you spend an extra hundred, you'll get the VRS um, Direct Pro Force. They call it their direct drive wheel, which gets a lot of good ratings uh, and reviews from people out there. So if I'm spending with seven. Shipping. I'm going to spend eight and get the VRS wheel. Yeah, I hear you. There, there are cheaper DDs out there um, that we've seen recently. Uh, the Moza one is, is cheaper than the 700. I don't know how much shipping would be from, from Italy. Is that where Moza comes from? But, but yeah, uh, 700 seems a little high for what this is. If you're paying $200 for shipping. That'd be hard to swallow for anything. 
especially when some of the imports are have got local representatives now like several of the chinese wills actually ha- at least have dealers here in uh, that you can directly deal with uh and probably get even you know we've talked about it many so many times about it how just tough it is to do technical support with fanatic because they their time zone and and only responding to emails and it just is slow i've always found this wheelbase every time i look at it to look almost like a toy he does like the buttons that are on the wheelbase itself but i'm thinking if i'm i drive with a deep dish oval wheel and i don't know if i want to push buttons on my wheelbase behind my wheel but he, he seemed to like it or said it surprised him how much he did like it wouldn't be uh, very reachable i think that's what makes this one different or unique over the other bases out there is that those three buttons on either side of the wheelbase, you know, behind the wheel. I don't think we've ever seen any that have that. And that's what makes this one. It's kind of their signature. You know, when you see those buttons, Oh, you know, it's a camas. Yeah. And you got the two toggle one's a toggle switch and one's a flip switch that are above the three. So you got one of those on each side. Uh, So a total of, I think eight, eight components on, on the wheelbase itself. All right, next item we have is a, the German Sim Reseller. It's a German Sim Racing. They're a Sim hardware seller, and they're offering a race box carbon fiber button box. Uh, and all we have right here is an Instagram post. I didn't go to their actual site. Uh, I personally would not pick this button box just because I don't like like the functionality of the design. But it does have quite a bit of stuff on it. But I, 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 I just don't – it didn't feel efficient to me, really. No, not for 330 euros. You're right. Uh, they do sell the race box uh, iFlag, which is a really nice one we've talked about recently. Yeah, they got a couple different button boxes on their site. So it's Jim, German Sim Racing is the company, and they basically resell other people's stuff. And um, I don't know, they're probably charging some kind of upcharge on this stuff. But the, like you guys said, the prices don't seem to match what you're going to get from it. And the layout's kind of weird. I can't imagine any real layout like that being in a car. Yeah, they got all the good brands. I mean, a lot of good brands. I mean, looking at the wheel brands, I mean, you got Asher Racing, the F64 V3 at 1,100 euros. That was my second choice of wheel when I went and bought my wheel. I almost bought the Asher. He's got fan attack. He's got Moza. He's got precision sim engineering. He's got the Rexing. We've talked about the the precision sim engineering and the Rexing are both those high high end wheels with displays and a million buttons. Yeah, the precision sim engineering LMX at three thousand three hundred forty two euros. They have the SimiCube two, so they resell all the the good stuff. Uh, so hey, if you're in Germany, I mean, this is probably. Uh, a nice place to go shopping. Yeah, the markup is probably going to cover your shipping. If you're not having to pay the shipping, it's probably basically the same difference. So they're selling the VRS uh, wheelbase that Donnie mentioned a minute ago at 899 euros. Yeah, it's uh, 800, 799 from the VRS site itself. But if you bought it and had it shipped back over to Europe, you're probably paying a good chunk of that shipping. Yeah, pick it up locally. Maybe it's a deal. Yeah, who knows? So I'd like to know where VRS is because the emails you get back indicate it's a Far East company. But then some people say Germany. I, don't, I have no idea where they're at. Not sure. 
Well, they do a lot of the testing in America because they've got quite a, a lot of their representatives and coaches are over here. They do reply quick. I do know that for customer service wise, but but um, yeah, just have no idea where they're located. Oh, if you use their if you use their other services, you know, I, I'm still subscribed to the to the premium membership, and uh, I haven't really turned the telemetry back on. Though I can now that I've got that fixed foveated rendering thing running, that's making everything run smoother. I could turn that back on, but uh, I turned that on, and I've done I've done lessons with with Zelensky and it wasn't it wasn't Pelchat who was it was Martin Conkey. I've done lessons with him. Each time I would learn a lot, and you basically just jump on Discord and are able to directly communicate with him. And even after your lesson, you could ask him quick questions about this or. Point, point to a telemetry thing and say, say, hey, what do you think of this? And they're right there, easy to reach. You don't have to wait on an email for 48 hours. No, that's good. I definitely like their tutorial videos they put up each week for basically every car. Yeah, and I went back and watched the Watkins Glen this, just just to see what they said about this car um, and just to kind of re- just to also review, right? All right. Well, we talked about the historical 87 car earlier, and now we have a picture of the historical Fanatec wheel. There looks like their very first wheel. It's an article in Traxion by uh, Thomas Harrison Lord, and it highlights Fanatec's first ever steering wheel system as Fanatec turns 25 years old in 2022. Uh, the article features peripherals of the company released all the way back in 97. Yeah, so it's cool. I didn't, man, 97 would have been the PlayStation 1 for me, and I don't remember any steering wheels whatsoever, and I would have never heard of a Fanatec. I think I bought a wheel for the PS2 and immediately hated it and took it back. I don't even remember the brand, but it was a, a Walmart version, so whatever brand they sell back in, what would have been 2001. But yeah, no, it's cool to see that shifter's goofy, but I'm sure it was awesome when it came out, but uh, how that could fit in your hand, and you can actually shift with it. What is so that about an eight-inch wheel? Uh, quotes. Yeah, kind of a gaming wheel for sure. Yeah, I got a couple quotes from the article. Uh, it's Ayermeyer, uh, Jackermeyer, the CEO of Fanatec. These are his quotes. He said, "The steering wheels back then were with the rubber band, and the feeling was not good at all." Explains Ayermeyer. Um, so we said, "Okay, let's try a metal spring." When you invent a new technology, even if it's something mechanical, mecha- mechanically basic, like a spring replacing a rubber band, then it's always a new challenge to overcome. Back then, there were a lot of cheap plastic toys. I was missing totally missing any feeling of luxury like leather or metal. The high-end segment was actually not existing at all. That's pretty cool. Um, I would like to have been around back then to check it out, but... Uh... I have a buddy who builds and collects old PC parts. He builds old computers and whatnot. Um, I'd be curious if he could track something like this down and see what the value of it is or just get his hands on it. Uh, One more quote. When I started this business 25 years ago, I had absolutely no idea where this would end up, said Jaeger. I can't say his name. (laughs) I think now we are just in the middle or maybe actually just in the beginning because sim racing Yes, it deserves the attention. It, it receives the attention it deserves, but I think we're about to lift off for the next 25 years now. Now, he's German. This is broken English, and I am reading it as it's written. Sounded great. 
All right, we need our DIY guy for this one, but this looks pretty interesting. I don't know if you guys got to watch it. I just literally hit a couple of spots, and I know that this could probably give you a lot of the same information you might get from the putt, butt kicker because it's basically mini base shakers, right? And it's, it's a do yourself do it yourself post um, from Sim Racing Corner, and they're mini base shakers that are being actually manually attached to uh, your own pedals. Uh, and I did catch a part that he found the tire slip information on the throttle being very helpful. Yeah. So these look, uh, this is obviously a rough, um, build for this guy. I'm sure over time he can improve it. Um, I'm curious what the feedback would be when you hit the brake. Do you feel that, um, the vibration in the, in the pedal or either way with, um, with the accelerator? I don't, I don't think you'd add one to the clutch, but it's interesting. I mean, I think he just hot glues wires under these pucks and they vibrate using this, uh, amplifier of some sort but uh, it's interesting it's it's creative it's uh just another person in the in the hobby with the passion to, to build something and we'll see uh, what he can do with it so i like it that the you know he's putting them directly where your feet are like on the back of the pedal you know your your toes are literally inches away i mean that's when haptic feedback really feels immersive is when you when you have that almost direct touch to it and because it's literally attached to the pedal i mean he, he's got that covered however the implementation i don't like i mean like you said the glue gun gone wild is another title title idea glue yeah, gun he, gone wild he could probably clean that up um with some heat shrink heat heat tube heat wrap for those wires but um, I'm going to look up the because he lists the pro or the the how to build and all the products you need and materials, and just see what the cost would be and see if it's worth it. But um, yeah, we definitely clean up that hot glue mess. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to see Lawrence uh, from Sim Coaches do uh, his version of this. I bet it looks clean. Uh, the V3 pedals uh, from Fanatech actually have something kind of sort of like built, been with, built in with this, but they were never particularly effective. So I'm curious if this is a little bit more effective than they, they were. These vibrate pretty good from the video. They, they, they put out some, some feedback. Who knows if it's accurate, but some feedback. Yeah, at the beginning of the video, he like turns it on and turns it up, and, and he has them loose on the table, and and they're literally vibrating around the table. So you can really see that they they uh, they got a good vibration to them. I'm telling you right now, and the more information you can get about tire slip, more than any of the other immersions, but if you, you can feel the tire slip, you know when your car is on the edge of getting ready to try to spin. So that's the that is the most critical of all the feedbacks. All right, I thought we've seen this one before, Mike, but because I've seen this vertical-looking monitor option, but we've got this 55-inch curved gaming monitor from Samsung. Yeah, you haven't seen one this big. This is 55 inches, and it's brand new, and it's all over the Internet this week, and it's amazing. I mean, the first thing I was thinking is, wow, triple 55s curved that the curve to it seems a little off. I don't know. I don't have a curve monitor. I've seen curve monitors in person, but that the curve to this one seems a little too much, but again, I'm not a monitor designer. Now in theory, could you get two curves on your left and your right? And then a flat panel in front. Is that even possible? 
I think it would be weird. I think you really want the same monitor on all three. And if you're trying triples, that would be just about too much, wouldn't it? Don't you agree the 27 is really the way to go when you're, when you're doing the triples? Well, so here's the thing. So the 27 is the right size if you're putting them in a traditional mounting spot, which is right above your steering wheel base. Um, now, if you're going to go bigger like Boosted Media did with his triple 55s, you got to move them back. You, I mean, your rig is going to be, you know, six feet from the center monitor or four or five feet or whatever. It's, it's going to be much farther away. Um, and I think if you position it right, you'll still get the right perspective, um, as Boosted Media has proven, yeah, that you would get as if the 27s were right in front of it. Um, I think you'd still get the same perspective, but the monitor's got to be placed right. Yeah, I don't... Robert, go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't get the vertical uh, orientation, though. I mean, there's the reason we all run the 16 by nine is cause that's kind of how we see right with our stereo vision. And I don't, I don't, I just don't see how it would be better in any of the gaming with it. Just the tall orientation. It looks silly to me. So when they spin it, you can have three different monitor options. So you can play a game on one monitor. See how they, in the, in the thumbnail, it's split up. Yeah. Yeah. I see that one, but then I see a, he has it on the, on the other one as well. And I just, I just have two monitors. I, I just rather you, have two monitors side by side. They described it for like a workstation. Like you could have an, an app going on screen one and then another one on two, and then maybe playing a game on three. Um, that's the only way I see it being, I don't yeah, Like you're saying, you wouldn't play an, a normal game on it because you just lose too much in the left and the right. Yeah. And oh. I mean, your upper peripheral vision just doesn't, I don't see that being as good as your left and right. Because it's Samsung, it's got all the features. I mean, uh, 4K, 165 hertz refresh, one millisecond timing. Um, it has a neat feature that one of the videos describes where you can say, I want to run as a 27 inch. And it you push a button and it shrinks it down to where it would be 27 inch monitor. And it has black borders all around. So you can say, I want it on on a 24 inch or I want to do two. And so you can, if you're playing a certain game that you're used to a certain size, you just scale it down with this, this new tech they got in the Samsung monitor. It's pretty cool. 3,499. So three of those, I mean, you're over 10 grand without even a stand. Well, you'll be in good shape though, but especially if you're new to iRacing, cause you only paid 27 bucks for your, your subscription. Now, what about if you just want one monitor? Would this be a good single monitor racing monitor? If you position it right, it could be. But, I mean, it's going to be a little distance from your wheel. It's going to be weird, I think. There are a lot of people who are running the single ultrawides and, and doing okay with it. Yeah, but they're not this big. This is bigger than those. Those are 46-inch, David, I think. And they're, they're more of a longer, wider. This is... Uh, a true 16 by nine that is a true 55 inch monitor yeah i think tom would be the best one to ask doesn't he run a single ultra wide yeah i think tony rochette has one as well that's right he and he bounces back and forth between that and bbr look at the thumbnail david on the last video in the story i mean look how big that thing is compared to uh the guy sitting in front of it yeah and that's uh 
it's uh, it's just stupid tall. I mean, who? How would it even be comfortable looking up that high? And, and he looks like a big guy, like he's tall, and it's way taller than he is. He was saying that the funnest thing to do on it when it's turned vertical is TikTok because it fills the the video just right, you know. Yeah, you know how many TikToks I watch. You, I, you can get lost. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time on TikTok today, actually. So there's some, there's a lot of stuff to watch. That's for sure. Well, Donnie, we got one more item. It uh, looks like uh, we've got a D D box G five four twenty fifty. Have you did you give this one a watch? You know, uh, Barry reviewed this one as well, and I tried to give that one a go, and it was a long, methodical review process. I think an hour and forty two minutes. Um. I didn't know the difference between this one right? and then the last D-Box one he reviewed. I believe uh, Brian might have that one. I'm not sure. But um, it's a D-Box motion system. It's their new one that's coming out. And um, Boosted Media here, he likes it. Barry liked it. Um, and it's great. I think it's 7,500 uh, for the four uh, actuators. Yeah. And I did watch uh, some of this video, uh, most of it. Will describes the up the differences between the old D box and the new D box. The new one, the cables are much thinner and more manageable. They're not overkill, too thick like they were on the old system. The other thing, as you can see, there the, there's additional hardware or or the. It, on the actual actuator, you can see the box kind of attached to it, and that's different. Um, those boxes and the hardware that was in them was separate, and then they ran thick cables. And so the design is a bit different. Um, it gives a bigger footprint on each corner because of that. Um, the other thing he said was, you know, the price is lower. They did lower the price. However, if you compare it to systems like Brian has and other people, uh, they're they're spending less than half of that money. So it's, it you know he, he said it in a nice way, but it's still way overpriced for what it is. Uh, the other thing it has is the uh, the haptics or the uh, butt kicker type uh, shaking and vibration. Uh, built right into the motion actuator. So that's the other key difference from the old system to the new system is the haptics um, is all built in. And so Will was basically saying, look, if, if you're going to buy this, you don't need butt kickers. You don't need haptics. You don't need uh, tactile transducers and all that. This covers it. And so, you know, you get an 80-20 rig, you bolt this on it, you're done. He talked about uh, one other feature. I don't know exactly what it was, though. I didn't understand what it was. That it was subscription-based that you would have to pay D-Box every month for. And he said he didn't really like that. And then they also signed him up for some trial of some other service that he wasn't interested in. Um, but other than that, I mean, he enjoyed racing with it. You know, it was just as good as any other motion system, you know, et cetera. So you got to pay a monthly fee to utilize this motion setup? Well, no, just a, a particular feature of it. I don't know exactly what that feature was, though.
Results is brought to you by Sim Wraps. Are you in need of an identity? A wrap is more than vinyl on car. It's you and your team's identity on track. So stand out, not blend in. Sim Wraps can design not only your race vehicle, but fire suits and helmets as well. Sim Wraps can work with any budget to make sure you stand out in a crowded field. Make sure to pull in for a pit stop and check out our work at simwraps.com or your typical social media sites like Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you go to Trading Paints and search for Sim Wraps, you'll find actually some free paints that they have put up uh, folk, uh, featuring uh, iRacers Lounge that you can use. All right, Mike, All right, it looks go like to we're Richmond. Yeah, you're at, we're at Richmond and you hit a P11, right? Not bad. P11, started P24, eventually worked my way up to as high as P4 with 50 to go. Ran my tires off uh, <laughs> on this run, fell way back to 17th. I got a late caution, was able to work myself back up to 11th and uh, not too bad. Didn't you actually run your tires down to like 14% on one of your on one of your runs? Four percent. Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll get to Tony's in a second. But I, I ended up. This is the one I, uh, I had to run that set of tires for a hundred laps. They were still in the seventies after a hundred laps. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I ran an eighty-eight uh, lap run, and I think I was at sixty-seven, sixty-eight, or, or my right front. So I did, I had a P2 to two on this one. This is the one where I had to run it. Uh, I did all this, I came back, I was all the way up to nine. I had to take the lucky dog twice. I finally got back on sequence everybody after just uh, limping around on old tires. And then on the very last restart, I spun the tires starting on the inside, trying to get a little greedy and had to let the whole field go by. Uh, so all of that worked to come back and then I choked it away. Old tires as well. Rochette. Tony <laughs> Rochette, P4. He said, not bad for waking up from a nap 10 minutes before race time, having Windows update issues, doing the control figuration, and not having my sequential shifter not working. Spent the first half groggy and in the back. Eventually made, made my way up to second for the final restart with 90 to uh, up to second for the final restart with 90 to go. <laughs> Car got tight on me, so lost a few. That was probably the longest green flag run I've ever had at Richmond. Yeah, I had a P23, started P6. Uh, the car felt great. Can't remember the set I used, but it had great long run speed. But early on, there was two incidents that were around me. Um, so I got a little nervous and I backed out, went to the rear. That was a huge mistake as I was involved in... Um, Two, uh, two incidents of not of my doing. Uh, one of them broke my right front toe link, giving me eight minutes of damage. So I ran the rest of the race in the back, um, just hoping to pick off some casualties. But it had great long run speed. I was um, catching and passing guys with 20 uh, lap old, uh, younger tires than me on that 88 lap run we did. And it just kind of pissed me off because we had a top 10 speed. Uh, Steven, I don't think he typed anything up in here, but he ended up winning the race. So I got to watch him on the relative as he was battling the last couple laps, but uh, he he lapped me, but um, he uh, had good speed. He won the race, and I didn't get to wake up Sunday morning to redeem myself. But uh, that was the best I felt in this car, and utilizing the setup. So going forward, uh, especially next year, I want to run longer practice sessions to make sure I know and understand how the car is going to react over a long run. I call those A opens. <laughs> a opens then. 
you know, Steven's kicking it, butt this week. Yeah, about 30 minutes just to really get feel comfortable. But then in an A open, you're, what you get is you're running race trim around everybody else at the same time. If you're just running a bunch of practice sessions, you don't really know what anybody's doing. So many there people are in there hot lapping. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in in a session and I'll be 25th. 26 something down in the 20s or 30s in the fast time and then i'll pull up the 20 lap average and i'm number one you know because nobody in there is really practicing long runs they're just trying to see what they can do in five lap and make adjustments that way but it but so setups probably you, you really don't know what you got till you run one of those a open so i get i get i get twice as better in an a open as i do in a 30 minute to an hour practice session now, now here's a Reddit complaint question. What do you find better or the quality of racing in A Open or NIS? It really is hit and miss. I, I mean, I've had some A Opens that are trash. I've had some NISs that are trash. Uh, we'll talk about it a little more. I ran incident free at Richmond on Sunday. So it, it is really hit or miss. The biggest challenge is A Open, your, your strength of field is more spread. So you'll get sometimes an 800 stuck with a 4,000 in the same split. Whereas you're all more closer together in the NIS and this is the guys that you're more familiar with. So you can get people that you don't really know and end up having some problems in the A open. Um, but it's, it's this, so, but like I said, I've, I've had some A opens run way cleaner. And it, it, it's just depends on who all shows up and, and what the butterfly effect is that night. The thing that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say something to offset that, but, the, the caution flow isn't the same between A open and NIS. Um, and the green flag stop flow isn't quite the same either. And so oftentimes I'm caught out in A opens because there's less cautions than there would be in the NIS, I would say. Yeah, I think I perform better with the less cautions. I like watching a real race with less cautions. It's just my, my mentality. I like to see strategies play out. But having that 88 lap run and being able to catch guys with Newer tires was it was a good feeling, so I just like green flag runs and green flag pit stops. See, I'd rather have caught short runs. I'm better on short runs, but all right. Sunday open, Tony Rochette P2 started in the middle of the pack. Had to pit first caution as my screen was st shuttering pretty bad, but made it to the front where I battled last first for the last 15 laps. I swear if I wasn't the nice guy, I'm the leader, would have been bumped and ran out of two on the white flag. David, I P8. Did, yeah, pulled off P8, uh, ran top slit on this one and ran incident free. I did, we had a very, very long run and then, and then we started splitting the, the pits up and I got trapped down a lap because of green flag stops. Uh, but I was able, I was like, literally the second guy that would have been the lucky dog was we were catching catching back up to the leaders um but there was a quick caution which made the wave around pay off i got that track position back ran most of that race around 15th but then at the end i went ahead and stayed out on a green white checkered and started i think ninth and came in eighth um was just on in two laps 30 lap older tires was was good enough to only really get passed by the one guy with fresh tires that was right behind me i was able to get away from the rest of them before the checker came out so that was a that was actually kind of a nice steal top 10 uh top split that's really good sunday fixed was fun i had a p8 i actually ran mid-pack basically most of the race i got as high as eighth at one point 
with about 20 to go i lost it and fell to the back but two late cautions bounced me uh the first one from 20th to 15th then uh we went green white checker i went from 15th to 8th now on that green white checker my teammate steven lou allen who started on the outside of me on that last restart. I was on the inside, he was on the outside. Uh, he didn't make it, man, he got dumped. Uh, so he wrecked out. Uh, he was probably one of the cars to beat for sure. Uh, Tyler Williamson, uh, P9, he was in our race as well and he was in, ended up right behind me. I ended up P8, he was P9. Uh, he said, yes, a top 10 at Richmond sliding sideways with four other cars to finish behind teammate Mike Ellis was wild. Eventually, uh, eventful race was fine with finally some luck. The seas parted at the right time. I finished with 16X. Hey, Watkins Glen, David Hall, P9. Yeah, I actually had teammates in my split on this one, right? Uh, you were in there and Tom was. Uh, Tom was at the bottom of my relative most of the race. He was about four or five positions behind me. It was a pretty clean race. I had a couple of guys that I actually had to work to pass. Um, one of them, I even he was actually one of the guys on the list, and I I, uh, I never had to bump him, and he actually finally gave the position once I got side by side. So he actually earned his way off the list, so to speak. Um, right, pretty neat. Other than that, it was a pretty clean race. I, once I got past a couple of the guys who were just a little bit hair slower. Um, that was all I had. Uh, so there you go, P9. Well, so even though we were in the t same split, David, I never actually saw you on track at all. Like literally not the entire day. Yeah, what, what did I, I qualified like 16th and, and finished P9 and, and I ran the fuel tank all the way empty. So I never had to come back, come back by you. All right, I, was, I was one of the last people to pit. You take tires? No, no. You, you don't need them. You don't need them here. The tires are just not wearing out at all. It's really almost, I mean, it's almost, this cup car is almost a, like super heavy GT car. The way it, the way the tires are, are handling now, especially on the road courses. My fastest laps were the second half of the race. And I pitted it halfway and just took one uh, can of fuel, basically. Yeah, my fastest laps were like the last six or seven laps, like after pitting even. Even with it, even even with a little bit more fuel, because the track actually does get faster too as it rubbers up. I like that it matches what is happening in NASCAR. I mean, NASCAR is the same way right now. I feel right. Like they pit though for tires, and tires make a difference a little bit more on the real life side. Well, they run twice as long. Yeah, they're they're running longer distances. We didn't need two cans of fuel. We only needed one. If we were taking two cans of fuel, I would have taken tires, but. You know, you save all that time on pit road by not taking tires. And like David says, there's really no fall off. So, all right. So I came into this race with no practice. My qualifying was my first laps on the set, on that car, on the track. And I qualified P25, but got to P20 by uh, the end of lap one. I ended up following teammate Tom Dryling until the stop at halfway. Uh, we cycled out to about 14th after the pit stop. So we were, I think uh, we were 19th, 20th before the stops. And then after they cycled, we were uh, 13th, 14th. So uh, me and Tom were basically running the same speeds. He was a bit faster. Uh, towards the end, he actually had a big gap on me, but I was still just one position behind him. At one point, 
I actually caught an old rival that was fairly slow and I tried to pass him in the bus stop. I drove in just a bit deep, just a little, and I actually hit the side of him a little bit and then a few of us wrecked. I was able to continue on and uh, bring it home. I didn't get really caught up too bad in that. It wasn't on purpose and I certainly didn't mean to run into him. He's the last guy in the world I want to run over, but uh, man, if he's slow, I got to go around. I think that's the video you posted in the chat and you kind of Ross Chastain him a bit, but hey. Yeah, and I, I did point out that I, I, I put that one on you. Yeah, but I probably owed him one too. So uh, maybe we're, we're square. It was almost like you're under braking, your wheels went left without your knowledge. And that, that's actually legitimate because I was, I almost every time in turn one, my car would really want to rank, yank to the right when I would get on the brakes. Just turn one. Everywhere else, it would kind of stay straight. But it really did try to pull to the right every time I'd get on the brakes hard in turn one. And, and I think it was maybe because I was just going, turning even the wheel just a little bit slightly. So I literally had to start turning, consciously turning to the left in turn one to make sure that it that I broke in a straight line there. All right, looks like Tony Rochette finished P9. He loves this track, but he's a bit on the slow side. He only had a four X from off tracks from avoiding multiple guys I'm guessing running off near him. Shout out to the winner, Ryan Samuelson, for having a big enough gap to second and not lapping me. Thank you, sir. Okay, and then Tyler Williamson, P22, had an extremely fast run and felt great in the car. Pitted early to play with strategy, but ended up eating meatballs as the car didn't turn in the bus stop. I ran out of skill, but glad I was fast for once, excited for Sunday. Okay. I would have been, been like, I want the leader to go ahead and pass me so I don't have to take that one last torture's lap. I've done that before. Because if you do, I mean, then you might have a guy behind you take the position. So it's almost better to let that leader go. All right. Today, Thursday open, P9. I can't believe it. Top 10 on a road course. Started 17th, got to 11th, lap two. I actually had a moment and, and had to stab the brakes and fell back to 15th. Uh, and I pitted it halfway uh, from 15th, uh, worked my way back up to 9th at the end. Great run. Yeah, Tony Rochette finished P5 today. Uh, bottom split. Uh, lowest IR was a 169. He started 8th, but 5th and 6th decided to kill each other on lap 1, turn 1. When I made my way down, down, looking fast till I got lapped after I pitted, but got the best road result of the year after being the 2021 Tafosi NIS Road King. P5 for Tony Rochette. Nice run. And he did the strategy where he uh, ran it out of fuel and he pitted with like, uh, you know, 11 to go um, and just got enough fuel and it worked out good for him. I might try that strategy Friday instead of doing the halfway. I mean, I don't know, David, does it matter when there's no cautions ever? Where did, when, when you pit? I mean, it all works out, right? Unless you are fighting for a position and you want to get away from the person, it, the, the best option, is, and you do the same thing as IMSA, is, is run it out of fuel. Because the lighter the car is, the faster the car is. Yeah. All right, let's move on to official F2000 at Road America started p10 car 10 in the top split dead last 
I got to P5 by the end of the first lap. Was able to hold it right up until uh, before the white where I spun on the final corner and got hit from behind and destroyed, ended up finishing P9. Next race, car number 13 out of 14, started 11th. I went off once, nobody else really did, and I ended up P12, ouch. Then we changed to Lucas Oil Speedway. Now this is the pavement Lucas Oil Speedway uh, and ran the FTAT 2000. The first attempt, I started P1 of two cars. That's right. There were only two cars in the race. I finished P1. Then I ran uh, the next one. I started P5, got to P2, but a faster car got me. I finished P3 out of 11. And then the next one started P6, finished P6. All right, so NASCAR B Open was at Watkins Glen. Uh, finished P5, started P6. Had a good run, no issues. I had a 1X uh, exiting turn one. I don't like the track limits there compared to real life, but it is what it is. Um, got a little deep coming off of turn one there. Um, that's it, really. It's a good run. Um, just felt like a Tuesday night drive through the Watkins Glen countryside. It feels like right. such a. It feels so short after running so many boot races in in IMSA that that it was pretty weird going back to the old old layout again. I'm surprised with their uh, fixation on road courses the last couple of years that NASCAR hasn't opened up the boot. Um, I know that turn back on to the NASCAR circuit from the boot can be a little tricky, almost in any car that you drive. But uh, so I don't know how well uh, the next gen should be able to do it pretty well. But I can see the the B in the trucks, they uh, they could be spinning their rear tires. I really think that NASCAR should always favor the shortest version of the road course, um, particularly because they do so many more cautions with the stage brakes and everything. That's that's almost the main reason they're leaving Road America is because because it, it just takes forever to do one to one stage break. It's a half an hour, um, so the shorter versions are better for that situation. Um, and just the, the, the shorter you tr make the track as well, the more chances you have of of basically contact, you know, instead of allowing them to get all spread out. Now, if you saying that, I wonder if there's an option of cutting Road America. I know people would freak out about that and, and think they're, uh, you can never change Road America, but for the NASCAR side, if you cut it to be a little shorter for that purpose that you mentioned before, those two, those two points, but um, yeah, Watkins Glen, the way the, the cup runs it, perfect. Or, or at least just put a shortcut in for cautions. Yeah, but they're weird and they, they give you some crazy excuse like they can't put speedometers in their cars for pit road speed limits because drivers don't want to look at their speed. It doesn't make any sense. Some things just don't make sense. All right, let's go league racing. Uh, we went uh, Monday nights at Fast Track Racing League. Uh, we had Joe Owen. He finished laps down. Greg, uh, ended, Greg Hectus ended up parking it. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't feeling it. He was like really loose, and then he so he pulled off and parked it. Adam uh, Jocelyn ran, and he did the same. Uh, no, actually, Adam something went wrong. Like he got a penalty or something, and so he ended up parking it. He showed up literally at the last second, like when qualifying was ending, right? And didn't even run run the the team set. He just uh, just uh, picked some random set and. It, he, he wasn't happy with it at all. I ended up P13, um, pretty uneventful race for me. Um, I, I want to mention, you know, bef the day of the event, 
the administration of the league announced lowering the incident limits and DQ limit uh, for this race. And uh, guess what? We had roughly 10 less drivers than we did the week before. And I think that had something to do with it, the less driver count, which was a little annoying. And uh, I think everybody on our team was a little annoyed about the rule change. I, I don't think anyone thought it played in our favor. Um, I guess the idea is to clean up the racing uh, they think, but you know, I don't know if it, it accomplishes that or not. Well, I knew it would play in my favor, but I don't like the idea of um, collectively punishing everybody because some people are racing stupid, especially with within the incident system. But it, it accomplishes goal though, because they did run clean, whether it was because there was less cars on the track or everybody was just being a little bit more careful. Um, and it did pay off for me uh, because I had such good long run speed. Yeah, nice run. I pulled a P6, uh, was really fast on the long run, not quite as fast as the top five. And this one really did feel like a woulda, coulda, shoulda, um, because the guy that won, we had a 90 lap run at the end, or about 85 lap. And I thought that might have been just on the edge where it was just not enough time to pit and get back to everybody. Well, the guy that had been running behind me that I was slightly outrunning, he did go ahead and pit and he wound up winning the race. He pit when everybody else ran on with no pits and was able to catch the whole field and pass them and take the win. Um, so that was a, I wondered if I'd have taken that, I should have taken that gamble because I can't, I won't make the playoffs unless, unless I snag a win. Um, so I should have done what everybody else wasn't doing. But I already know at the same time that one of the playoff races is in, on the same day as a contest. So um, it's just night. This is race a league where I have to just enjoy running with the with the teammates more, more about wearing the playoff picture because I just can't make every race with my gig. Yeah, it was like a long run. And, and uh, I think I split it in half on tires. You know, I pit under green and got tires. And that's what that guy did, I think, to win it. And he cut it in half. But I remember the leader who at, who stayed out, who was also really fast at, at the leader at that time, he uh, he pitted with like, I don't know, 19 to go. And I was like, there's no way he's going to get back up there. But he actually got clear back up to second, I think. Mm, fourth or third. He had Mother, just passed. Yeah. He had just passed me when we were getting close to the to the checkered. Yeah. So that was uh, what Nicholas Roman. He's almost a 7000 I rating. He's real fast. Uh, Greg, I see you're back in your seat. Did we do we have any results from the whatever the league is called now? Uh, last week, I trying to remember. I think I kind of just gave up. I've not been not being too enthused in uh, i racing in the last twenty or two weeks here. But uh, I guess I showed that on the uh, fast track league the other night too. I just was not having it, but. Uh, I don't think I finished the race on the last race. This is an off week tonight, so um, starting in the next season uh, starts on uh, next Thursday. All right, let's go to final thoughts, David Hall. Um, yeah, I don't have anything tonight. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I knew I know we're running Lamont. I'm running with Chris Huskin, and I'm having to go back to the GTE because I just can't talk enough of it into running the LMP. And they're running the Porsche, and I, I turned some laps last night. I'm going to run some more laps tonight. And it, it's it's um 
we ran the Ferrari at Daytona the last week, and I, I actually kind of missed that car, even though I I wish it was I wish it was still in IMSA because that's what I would run in IMSA. Just, but I don't like the GT3s; they're just not fun to drive for me. The GTEs, the GTE, and the LMP1 are the are the most fun sports cars to drive. Okay, very good, Don, Donnie Spiker. Final thoughts. Uh, not much. Uh, work's been crazy lately, so I haven't been on to race as much. But I ship my wife and daughter off to Hawaii next week, so I might open up some availability uh, next week to uh, get some get some more races in at an unusual time that I'm not used to. So, other than that, um, looking forward to tomorrow night and uh, hopefully a good week next week. Okay, very good, Greg Hectus. Final thoughts. Uh, like I said, kind of in my tone there didn't really have a lot into it, but uh, I'm looking forward to racing Watkins Glen tomorrow night. I, I ran a couple laps earlier. Uh, doing some stuff. I was getting some promotional stuff I was working on earlier. I was just trying to get some shots. Uh, so I ran the fixed setup around Watkins Glen and uh, just figuring out how this car is. I was running 11, so we'll see what happens when I actually put our setup in and run it and see what we do. I was running 11s with the set, so you should be fine. Okay. Very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, F2000 at Lucas Oil Raceway. I expected, I don't know, something different. Pack racing, I guess. Uh, this car on ovals, it, man, last time it was on ovals, it was super fun. I think it was Phoenix, and uh, it was kind of like a pack race. But here on this track, it's like, like a flat oval, New Hampshire kind of like. And uh, no, it's follow the leader. Um, and and you, if you're you're all the same speed, pretty much, you're all in fixed setups and and uh so qualifying is key uh, but once you get spread out and everyone's running the same speed it's just follow the leader for 15 minutes so i don't know if i'm going to run any more of that for the rest of the week because of that uh i guess i it has to have some kind of banking i guess to have a pack race um i didn't realize it wasn't going to be pack racing so that was a big surprise uh what else watkins Glen. i mean wow to get a top 10 uh, I've been getting top tens at every road course this year, guys, and um, that hasn't happened in the past with the Gen 6 car. So is it the Gen 7 car? Uh, I don't know. But is it, everyone else sucks? and I don't know. But uh, I'll take it, uh, get those points, and, and move on. I, I did look at season points recently on NIS Open. I'm like 33rd, 34th or something like that would really like to get to the top the front page and, and make it to the top 25 so i don't know if there's enough races left but we're sure going to try and with that hey we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.